This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. Welcome into the action line from WGNS this morning. Dr. Dan Rudd joins us. We're going to be focusing on the coronavirus and things are going the wrong direction. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but uh, we're going to find out from Dr. Rudd this morning. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Bart. Great to be here. Good to have you here. And um, you had mentioned when we started these conversations back in March, I guess it was, that we would have a spike. Were you referring to this spike or is this sort of a surprise? No, this this really isn't a surprise. I think that, you know, we've known from the beginning that um, the COVID-19 is caused by SARS-CoV-2, which is a type of virus that we've seen before. This is a new one, and it's going to have some unique characteristics, but we know that this virus is a respiratory virus that has a seasonality. And from the beginning, we expected it to uh, be worse in the cooler weather and better in the warmer weather. And that's sort of what we're seeing. I think one of the things that um, is happening now that's worrisome is that uh, we're seeing in Europe, which Europe has sort of been our canary in the in the coal mine as far as indicating what might happen here we're seeing the numbers increase to a level that they're higher than even their worst case scenario was uh i think in, in the last few days especially in uh, uh the netherlands and in belgium um they're outstripping their ability to um, hospitalize the people who need it and that's that's a concern because we don't know whether that presages what we will see or whether it's it's not going to. I think, you know, we've been really blessed in um, um, Tennessee because our numbers have been low. Uh, and when we look back over the uh, pandemic, we've had a kind of a steady increase in total cases. Uh, our total active cases, cases have steadily increased. And, and even through... Um, the last numbers I saw for Rutherford County were the 20th of October. It's been pretty flat, but with a slight increase. Um, we uh, right now are at a total confirmed cases in Rutherford County by, let's see, on 10:29 of uh, about a little over 12,000 total confirmed cases. We're averaging in the last five days 150 new cases per day. Uh, we still have adequate uh, hospital bed supply, ICU supply, and um, I think that, you know, today we're okay, but we're, uh, you know, trying to prepare for the future and what we uh, can't expect. Uh, what should we be doing right now? I, we'll talk about things that are going to happen and hope to happen, 
But is there anything in particular that we need to be doing right now? I, th- I think it's very clear that the answer is yes, there are things we need to do. Uh, one of the big things is we need to be using face masks. It's, uh, it's definitely helpful. We've uh, seen from many studies now that face masks decrease the spread of the virus. And that only makes sense because basically the, the virus is aerosolized. Uh, it's in particles of water that we emit from uh, talking, singing, sneezing, coughing. And when we get infected, uh, the virus comes out. And it can be um, uh, decreased dramatically by wearing face covering. I think not only uh, is it good to uh, um, for the person who is um, sick and doesn't know it, but it's also good for the people who are not sick and know they feel fine. Because, you know, the estimate now is that wearing a face mask is almost as effective as a vaccine. Really? In the 70% or so range. And so, you know, doing the basic things, um, hygiene, washing your hands. Uh, another thing I, I encourage patients to do is uh, use a neti pot, uh, washing out the nasal cavity uh, a couple of times a day is it's something that i've recommended for people not only for allergies over the years but it's very good for upper respiratory viruses also i think social distancing is um is is good i mean you know we need to um basically have distance between us because the further we are apart the less likely that virus is to to get to where you are also, minimizing contact times with people, especially if you can't help it and you have to be uh, without a mask. I think, uh, you know, typically what what's being said now is 15 minutes or so uh, within if you have to be six feet or so um, apart or less. Uh, and definitely not being in prolonged situations with uh, a lot of people. Now, we've had this since March. Right. For people who have been apart and have uh, been, you know, keeping distances and wearing masks, things of that sort, uh, they get a little lonely after a while. There is a definite impact of social dis- distancing that is, is negative. We, we know for a fact that uh, the psychological impacts and just the health care impacts, people, they don't feel comfortable going to the doctor or, you know, getting checked for things. And we know that people are having more problems because of that. The number of cancers that have been diagnosed is much lower this year than it should have been, which means that they're still there. They're just not diagnosed. And so people are afraid to go to the doctors? People are afraid to go to the doctors. And I think that that's something that... Uh, we're going to see the impact of over the next two or three years. Um, the psychological, the uh, the part that, you know, just wears on people, you know, uh, physical abuse, uh, domestic violence, uh, drug addictions, all of those things are aggravated by this isolation. And and that's not going to go away till the virus is, is diminished. And right now, you know, I think that, we can expect to see that sometime probably as uh, spring comes and, the, and the, we start to see warmer weather uh, late spring, we should be able to uh, loosen up. One of the big things that's going to happen 
in the next few months is we're going to have vaccines. Um, the, we have right now five vaccines that are in phase three trials, which means that, you know, we've already shown in the phase two trials that they're effective. Now in phase three, we have to look at whether they're totally safe. And, you know, the big things you look at with safety in vaccines are um, uh, whether or not they can cause uh, like a neurologic disease called Guillain-Barre, which usually shows up within two months of a vaccine if, if that develops. The other thing is there's a condition that's called uh, antibody-enhanced disease, which basically is a... Um, it's been shown in a couple of uh, viral diseases. It's pretty uncommon, but, you know, they want to be sure that's not there, too. Uh, the uh, Operation Warp Speed that the president initiated at the beginning of this has already uh, made sure the funding uh, for the vaccines is complete. And the uh, companies that are producing the vaccines have already got it packaged and ready to ship. It's simply waiting on the FDA to, uh, to respond to the application for an emergency use authorization and to release that. These vaccines will not be licensed for probably a couple of years, but they will be able to be released based on this emergency use authorization, which should come in the next month or two. Uh, you know, I'm hoping sooner than a month, but uh, we don't know. It'll, it'll depend. Two of the um, vaccine trials have been um, fully enrolled, which is good, and we should be uh, seeing data come out really on a regular weekly basis until we actually have the vaccines. Now, you said the vaccines, that, that's what it's going to take, but you also mentioned that the masks are almost as effective as a vaccine. That's right. Uh, vaccines, you know, we call a vaccine effective if, if it's 50% effective. Okay. It'd be nice if it was 100, but that's not realistic. And one of the things we know in basically the history of vaccines is vaccines, as we, we develop them, each uh, generation with one disease becomes basically more effective as we, you know, learn traits of the virus and we use those traits in the vaccine you know we've got right now four main types of vaccine strategies that are going on there's about 150 vaccine candidates that are that are in development right now um, it's interesting because in china and russia they are vaccinating people currently and so um their standards and data don't really match ours. We we demand transparency in this country, and they don't have that. And so um, they do have vaccines that are being given, though, uh, currently. And also I, I read just this weekend that uh, uh, Putin in uh, the Soviet Union has basically uh, mandated masks, and he's basically the first world leader to mandate it. Uh, of course, they have a different system than we do. And, you know, I think that it's that's something that won't happen in this country because it's just not in our DNA, literally. Um, I suspect that, you know, people here will basically uh, respond to what they see. And if they see 
hospitals being full, and um, they'll respond more seriously. I do encourage people, though, to, you know, use the mask, uh, do the social distancing, hand hygiene. And, of course, one of the things we're learning now, too, is very important is ventilation. We, we need ventilation in especially hospitals, schools, uh, restaurants, and our home. How, how do we how do we get that? I mean, well, different I th- ventilation from what we have now. Yeah, I think it it really came um, out early that when they were looking at dental offices and how dentists were shut down because they were deemed initially as non-essential. I think that was a mistake. But uh, we're learning that that ventilatory flow is important to clearing the virus from the air. And I th- I, right now, one of the only things you can do is open your windows and keep the uh, fan on your HVAC uh, unit. Instead of having it on auto, keep the fan on to keep air cir- circulating. Um, but that's something that, uh, you know, adds to uh, the other measures that we talked about. The other thing is, I think, staying healthy. Trying to, you know, if you have any risk factors, try to diminish those. Make sure that if you are diabetic, you try to... C- Put extra effort into controlling your diabetes. Try to lose a little weight. You know, that seems to make a big difference. If you can even lose 5 to 10% of your weight, it cuts your risk. Um, I, th- I think that it's a process. We're learning a lot. Things are changing. But in Rutherford County, our numbers are still looking good. It doesn't mean that it'll stay that way because I suspect that over the next two to three months, um, is going to tell the whole story. But so far, we've done really well. We have some text questions here from listeners. One of them says that uh, they have always been claustrophobic, and wearing a mask they feel just makes them uncomfortable. And, and they think that that may be going back to the claustrophobia. They also say that their child uh, has asthma and has difficulty breathing. But when they tell somebody when they go into a store why they're not wearing a mask, they are really treated negatively. Uh, is, is this a, a problem that you're running into? Well, we know from studies that have been done during this pandemic that, that masks do not cut down the oxygen in your blood. So it, it it's not going to physically harm you. It may psychologically harm you. It may make you very anxious. And if that's the case, you could consider switching to a face shield, which, you know, face shields are, are very helpful. Um, but unfortunately, you have to use some barrier or else just limit yourself and not go into environments that are um, where there are a lot of people. Okay. Uh, We have another question here. Uh, This person said that they had heard that this might become something like a flu, where we have to get a flu shot every year. Will we soon have to have a a COVID-19 shot every year? I don't believe so, Bart. I think that, um, you know, we've seen from the uh, SARS-1, which was in 2003, was a different uh, uh, coronavirus, but basically that virus just sort of disappeared. 
it was different in how contagious it is, but it was a similar uh, family member. And I think what we're going to see with this virus is it's going to, uh, with a combination of uh, people who get infected and uh, people who um, get vaccinated, we're not going to actually need uh, yearly vaccines. And I suspect that after the first year is over, uh, it's going to be pretty much gone. Our phone number six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. You can talk or text on that one, whatever you prefer. Six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. We're looking at the COVID nineteen virus, how it's changing, how it's changing our lives. Dr. Dan Rudd is our guest this morning. He's been helping us over this entire period, sort of work our way through the coronavirus. We're going to pause, check on the traffic and weather, and we'll be right back. If you have a question or a comment, 615-893-1450. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9-1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. Schedule online anytime. Getting an appointment with Ascension Care Teams at St. Thomas just got easier with online scheduling. Now you don't have to break away from your day to book the care you need when and where you need it. No matter where you are or what you're up to, whether you're a new patient or if you've been here before, just pick the appointment that works for you. Schedule online anytime at GetSTHealthCare.com. Get ready for the holidays now. Hi, this is Rich Smith with more savings from Haynes Bay Hardware. Right now, a six-foot folding table is only $39.99. This table is lightweight and folds in half for easy storage. Plus, the easy carry handle makes transport a breeze. Right now, a six-foot folding table is only $39.99. And complement your table with all steel folding chairs. They're just $11.99 each. At this price, why not get enough for extra guests? Pick up these bargains of the month today while supplies last at Haynes Bay Hardware. 1807 Memorial Boulevard. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna is reminding you not to wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car, and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to. Curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at demasrestaurants.com. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high in the low 50s. Winds out of the southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and a low near 34. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 33. The weather brought to you by First National Bank of Murfreesboro. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is growing to serve you better. Hi, I'm Shelly Rigsby, and in mid-November, our name changes to Capstar Bank. Our staff will be the same but we'll be able to do so much more. First National Bank of Murfreesboro will soon become Capstar, a full-service bank with a small-town feel. We believe in keeping our personal relationships. 
First National Bank of Murfreesboro, soon Capstar, member FDIC. Good morning. So quite a bit of traffic volume coming out of Coffee County into Rutherford County right now, down 24 westbound, passing Epps Middle Road. We've actually been in pretty good shape for the most part out here this morning as far as really bad wrecks. Traffic's still holding up right now. I uh, hear down Sam Ridley trying to get down towards the interstate. Hey, sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, December 26th and 27th. All the details at ripleysaquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. We're loud. We're proud. We're Blue. WGNS AM and FM, your home for the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Our good neighbor today is Debbie Gentry. Debbie Gentry, our good neighbor today. And she just retired from uh, all of her work with Meals on Wheels. And somebody said uh, she's just really appreciated, and she needs to be the good neighbor. So she's receiving flowers from Jenny Harrison and the family at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. Our birthday winner from Simply Pure Sweets is Adrian Nelson today. Happy birthday to Adrian Nelson. We're talking about COVID-19, how it is, what it has been like, and what do we expect in the future? Dr. Dan Rudd is our guest this morning. If you have a question, he's right here with us. 615-893-1450. And you can talk or text, whichever you prefer. 615-893-1450. Here's a text that we've received. says, Mr. Trump says that he is immune now after having the virus. Uh, is that possible? And when vaccines are ready, will they be made mandatory? What about that? Well, first let's start with uh, whether you can become immune. And we know that you can. So if you've had a case of COVID-19, you can develop immunity to where you do not uh, catch the disease again. Now, there's some uh, caveats to that, and one of those is that we don't know how long that immunity lasts. We um, suspect it's shorter term based on just checking antibody levels, but we, we also know that there are T-cell immunity uh, responses that can last for several years. So it's, it's probable that the president is immune at this time. Now, if somebody is immune... That means they won't get it, but are they contagious? No. The, the, in other words, you're asking, are they carriers? Yes. And, I, and I think that, you know, one of the cases uh, that I read that uh, was a carrier that was really interesting uh, was a patient who was a cancer patient who got COVID-19 and was, was really um, immune deficient related to the cancer. And in that person, they did maintain positive viral tests for over 150 days. That's very, very, very atypical. And, you know, we do not know of um, carrier states that exist in regular healthy people. Um, Now, your PCR test, which is a test that we use to check for it, can be positive for a prolonged period, 
And that's why the CDC switched from testing-based to basically symptom-based. And so if a person tests positive for COVID-19 by PCR, they basically are clear within 7 to 10 days. And at 10 days, if you have no fever and your symptoms are still even mild, you can come out of quarantine. You can go back to work. Uh, so at 10 days, the policy is that you're, you're clear. Now, if you've been in the hospital and had a harder time with it, the, the rule is 20 days. Okay. Here's a text from a listener who says, I'm a mother of three, and they are all eighth grade and younger, and it's hard to keep them in, away from their friends. Is it safe to play outside with your friends? Uh, it's safer than inside. <laughs> okay. You know, I don't, I, it's, th- there's, when you talk about safe, you know, we, one of the things that we've learned is with the schools reopening this year, uh, most of the infections that occur related to school are not in the classroom, but in the social context. And the schools have done a great job in mitigating the infection. They've done excellent in the way they've cut down the number of students in class. They've done, you know, alternating times, virtual classes, a variety of things to try to maintain some semblance of normality. But the, when kids get the infection, it's in their social gatherings. It's at the birthday parties. It's at the skating party, if they have those now. Um, it's when they're just playing outside. So that is an option for transmitting the virus. But it's better than playing inside. Now we're we're going back to your mask ruling, or not ruling your your uh, comments about that. How the mask is almost as effective uh, as as a vaccination if both people are wearing it. Ah, okay. Yeah. If one person's wearing it, is it still safe for that well, one person? Well, it's better. It's better than nothing. But if you know you're breathing in air. And if you're not infected, you want to have that air filtered. You're breathing out air, and if you are infected, you don't want to transmit the virus. So the best protection is when everyone wears a mask. A lot of churches, and we just went through Sunday yesterday, uh, a lot of churches are uh, mandating masks and and, and not singing, things of that sort that would spread uh, supposedly some of these germs. For those churches who do not do those uh, precautions, uh, if you're wearing a mask, are you pretty safe, even if the person next to you is uh, is not wearing one? Uh, it's half as effective as both people wearing it. So, I mean, you're pretty safe, but it's half as effective. And so the best thing, I mean, you know, I, I attend church regularly, but where I go... Everyone wears a mask, and I think that provides a feeling of safety and a reality of improved safety for everybody. What is the fear of singing? What what is? Well, we know that singing, you know, you're expelling a lot of air. You're, you know, and and when you do that, you expel aerosol. So we know that singing, yelling, talking loudly, and they've even analyzed different languages to to see what languages. Uh, expectorate more and we know that the higher the volume and the intensity of the speech the greater the propulsion of aerosol 
So anything that's quieter, calmer, uh, no singing, no screaming, uh, decreases that transmission of the aerosol. And the virus basically catches a ride on the aerosol. And so anything we can do to diminish that uh, transport of the virus cuts down on transmission of the disease. Now, these are hard things to go through. I mean, we've all seen this since March. It's been difficult going through wearing a mask, social distancing, uh, and sometimes just uh, avoiding avoiding crowds, which also translates to not going out with groups of friends anymore. Uh, when do you think we're going to see a, a change in that? And also, is there a safe way to be with small groups of friends, say two other friends, uh, four friends, whatever? I think one of the things that's going to be very hard coming into the holiday season, Bart, is, you know, how to how to protect people and be safe. There are always going to be a group of folks who, you know, are at low risk who say uh, they throw caution to the wind and they just they just go for it. That's that's probably okay for a lot of healthy people, realizing that even in the healthy groups, there will be some people who get very sick and die. Now, if you have vulnerable people in your family, I think one of the key things is limiting the mixing of households, you know, getting dinner parties together, even having extended family holiday dinners where you have people come in from out of town. That's a high risk for people who are vulnerable. You know, if if you have someone in the family who is a poorly controlled diabetic, someone who's on chemotherapy, someone who has an immune disease such as MS or rheumatoid arthritis and they're on an immune modulator, uh, people who are vulnerable, you want to protect more. Now, it's safer if everybody wears a mask, but that's hard to do in a home. Because it, it, people want to talk and hug and sit at the table. And, and, you know, if it's like what I've experienced in the past, it's, you sit at the table for two or three hours. And you have seconds and thirds and dessert. And it's, it's great. I mean, it's a wonderful time. Uh, but this year, that's going to have to be uh, tempered a little bit with the reality of the season we're in with the virus. I think that it's going to get better. Uh, in the spring. I think we'll see the seasonality component of it improve. We'll have the vaccines available. I mean, they're going to be here and going early in the year. Uh, I don't know exactly when, but but they're, they're going to be here. And, you know, it's like I say, you can expect the virus, uh, the vaccine to have an effectiveness of around uh, 50 to 60 percent is my guess, which is actually about what the flu vaccine is but if you add that to the things we're doing and add it to the fact that um, the normal virus life cycle is one of diminishing the virus is changing Uh, we don't have a total concept of how that is happening yet it could be part of it is uh, the way we respond to it is changing we're learning a lot of things about uh, what you have to do to be healthy One of the things that's come up is we've learned the importance of vitamin D. Vitamin D is a very important chemical. It's an immune modulator. And we don't know exactly 
what it does, and we don't know exactly what levels that we should have. But we know that it's important in the initial phase of the immune response. It helps us to fight the virus early, and we also know vitamin D, it can tamp down the out-of-control immune uh, cytokine storm that happens. Vitamin D is important on both ends. And so there's an awareness of that. Most of the studies that have been done on that have actually been done in Europe. But they've shown clearly that vitamin D levels um, decrease if they're up, if you have vitamin D levels over 50 to 60 in the way we measure them, that it cuts your risk of having to go to the hospital and of dying. So if we took extra vitamin D, and, and we're saying D as in dog, D as in delta, whatever, but vitamin D, if we take extra vitamin D, we will be better off. How much extra do we need? Well, let me say first, vitamin D is what's called a fat-soluble vitamin. That's an important thing because you can take too much of it. You can become toxic if you take too much. So swallowing a bunch of vitamin D is crazy. That's not what you do. What you do is you work with your doctor and measure your vitamin D levels, and if your vitamin D is low, you supplement it based on the direction of the doctor. So don't just go out and take a huge amount. Ask your doctor. You know, uh, if you take 1,000 units a day, that's a very low dose. It's not going to hurt you. Now, some people need a lot more than that. Uh, A lot of times, you know, people will be prescribed 50,000 units once a week or twice a week based on their blood levels. And in the past, you know, we've checked those in patients and supplemented – if they were very low, but we've really not had a target. They've looked at vitamin D in cancer and many other things, and it's hard to target anything where you can show clearly it's important. But it has really regained center stage, I think, with this COVID-19. And it's something now that we realize vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C are all helpful. And, you know, there, there's no clear uh, dosing of that. It's really based, like I say, especially vitamin D has to be done by serum levels. Zinc, not so much. Uh, vitamin C, not at all. Vitamin C is water-soluble. You, uh, you basically uh, pass through whatever is extra. Uh, but vitamin D cannot be taken just helter-skelter. Uh, we have a text here from a listener who says she wants to go back to the thoughts about uh, families getting together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And uh, they're asking about Thanksgiving dinner, possibly, uh, instead of sitting around the dining room table. How about if everybody does social distancing and sits at least six feet apart but still can communicate? And uh, we they serve something that is more appropriate, uh, could be uh, you can still have turkey and things of that sort, but just easier to eat while having it on your lap. Uh, is that a, a, a way to do this? I think that's that's helpful. I think that you know focusing on uh, distancing, uh, keeping the volume down, so there's not a lot of, of talking, laughing, screaming, singing. 
having good ventilation, having some of the windows open, having the air conditioning uh, fan on, uh, doing everything you can. And then, uh, you know, and that's very helpful. Uh, But realize that the people who are at highest risk should probably still not attend. And if they want to attend that, they should be somewhere at a different table a few feet away um, and where you can talk to them, but not where your aerosol from your breathing or laughing or or coughing is going to get on them. Now, when you say should not attend, we're not just saying everybody who is a senior citizen, are we? Well, we're saying the people who feel the most vulnerable. And, you know, and those are are pretty clear uh, things because we know that risk factors are related to many things. But the biggest risk factors are uh, immune system compromise, people that have um, cancer, people that have uh, uh, serious uh, diabetes and, and problems with that, people that have heart disease, hypertension. Uh, we know that those people are at higher risk. Of course, your age, whether or not you're obese is important. Uh, ethnicity is important. We know that, uh, especially we're seeing now Latinos are having increase in disease out of proportion to other risk factors. Uh, African-Americans, Afro-Caribbean descent uh, people have higher risk, uh, basically twofold. But it's hard when you're trying to separate these risk factors to uh, rule out uh, whether or not it's multiple risk factors or a single risk factor. And and we know that things do matter. You know, one of the things that's come up is AVO blood type. And, you know, there were some initial studies that showed that um, people who were type O had decreased risk that was significant. But it looks like now that that's because in the gene that um, controls for ABO blood type, it's related in proximity to genes that are related to inflammation. And we haven't really worked that out, but it's not really felt to be the blood type. But as far as, as people who are type O seem to be at less risk than A or B. Um, you know that, So th- there's a lot that's going on with this now. So let me be sure, because we have a lot of people uh, holding on, uh, hanging on, and hoping that they're hearing this correctly. When you get together for Thanksgiving, if you have anyone who is at risk, not just because of age, but because of a weakened immune system, of having some disease like cancer where their immune system is weak already, or if they uh, just are prone to to having uh, illnesses, uh, best if they don't come, but if they do come, keep them away. Should everybody wear some type of facial gear, whether it be a mask, and you mentioned a shield? I think that the more you do, the safer it is. But we have to face the fact that we can't make things totally safe. And if we have family members that we want to see, we miss... I mean, there could be people in our family that may not be here next year without COVID. I mean, they may be frail, and they may not be able to. They might not make it another year. We want to see them because we love them. You have to weigh the risk, and everybody needs to just be aware of that and and do the things you can to mitigate that risk. 
of course, the best thing is going to be when we get the vaccine. You know, people ask me all the time, is the vaccine uh, something that, that I would take personally? And my answer is absolutely yes. I, say, I, I feel like that when it is approved and seeing the things that I've seen and, read and I've, the things I've read, I have no doubt that I will take the vaccine if I haven't caught the virus by then. So far, as far as I know, I, have, I don't have, um, haven't caught the virus and I've been tested a few times because I do see a lot of patients uh, who have had the virus. We're getting this same question again, so there's evidently a lot of concern with it. Will vaccines be made mandatory? I don't think that's possible. We live in America, and vaccines will never be made mandatory. Now, there there may be certain situations. For instance, as a physician, the hospital that I work in could require physicians to take the vaccine as a condition of being on staff. That's possible because they've done that with flu over the years. We, we've had to take flu vaccines. Uh, but as far as the general public goes, no. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're focusing on a COVID-19 virus. It's changing. It's changing our lives. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Dan Rudd in just a moment. We have just a few minutes left, so if you have a question, text it to us, 615-893-1450. Money issues? There's someone local you can talk to. Financial Coaching Radio with certified financial planner Jason Qualls. Weekdays at 4 on News Radio WGNS. Wolfwagon Mobile Dog Grooming. I'm a poodle. I'm a little puppy. I'm a German Shepherd. The Wolfwagon Mobile Dog Grooming. Grooming dogs of all sizes. Call 615-663-8139. On Facebook, The Wolfwagon. Hi, this is Dave Kiven of Music World and Drummer's Den. We'd like to invite you to come by and see Dan, our guitar tech, Riley, our drum instructor, and Tom, our keyboard and guitar instructor. We offer lessons for any level from beginner to advanced. Our instructors are great with any age, and they'll teach you the songs you want to learn and in the way that you like to learn. Come by in Music World and Drummer's Den. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high in the low 50s. Winds out of the southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and a low near 34. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 33. WGNS talks about all things local. It's Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS, AM, FM, and online. We have another text question in. This person says, how can you prepare for a quick response and uh, minimize illness should you be tested positive for COVID-19. What can you do to uh, if you've learned about it? Well, I think that if you are tested and 
come back with a positive test, you have to ask one of two things. Was it a screening test or was it because you have symptoms? If it's a screening test and you have no symptoms, really there's not much to do. You might do a confirmatory test because there are some false positives that occur. And if if it's just a screening test because of the prevalence being as low as it is, it's got a significant chance of being a false positive. Now, if you're having symptoms and you're tested, uh, the thing to do uh, basically right now is is up for debate. Um, you know, hydroxychloroquine a- has been used with zinc uh, for some time, and, and it's really uh, it's hard to say how much good it does. I believe it probably does decrease uh, the viral phase of the disease, but we're also getting to the point we're going to have um, uh, these polyclonal immunoglobulins that are going to be available that can be given by infusion and they're even doing this at home now and so i suspect that we'll have developments in the treatment for the initial onset soon this person uh, is asking about at thanksgiving should they wear gloves and serve with uh, actually serve the meals instead of having it out for people to eat buffet style the answer is probably the gloves aren't helpful, but are not helpful. Yeah, but I think preparing the food and not doing the buffet style cuts down on the just the proximity people have to each other, and that's probably a good thing is to prepare the plates ahead of time. Here's another one. Uh, there are different companies working on vaccines. What vaccine would you take? I think I'll take whichever one is approved first under the emergency use authorization because we know that, you know, right now they've been very safe. Uh, What's being done now are the phase three trials. Phase three is efficacy. So the safety part we've already passed. The efficacy is do they work? And that's really where we are now. So whichever one gets the emergency use authorization, I will take. And in the final moments of the show, and we have about a minute left, what are some thoughts that you would like? You had some things you wanted to be sure. There's a a couple of things that I find very interesting. One is, you know, they're using sniffer dogs now to identify patients with COVID. And they have uh, actually in England... Uh, these dogs that are almost as good as the PCR test that are very, very accurate in uh, in identifying people. Obviously, that's not going to be a real effective uh, way to do it because of the number of dogs being limited. The other thing that's really interesting is that one of the studies that uh, has been done is looking at the spike protein, and they found on the virus, they, there's a spike protein, and that spike protein has some parts of it that block pain receptors. And they're identifying those regions to develop small molecules that may be a huge advance in pain management in the future. And that may come out of this also. It would be a new class of, of pain medications that are non-addicting and non-sedating. Sort of as a wrap-up, you had mentioned two things. If you could expound on those just a bit, the neti pots and the fact that everybody, everybody should wear a mask or a shield. Right. The neti pot is basically um, 
a device for nasal lavage. It is a way, and you can look it up on YouTube if you're not familiar with it, but basically it's a way to wash the virus out, hopefully before it has a chance to enter, enter the epithelial cells. And doing that twice a day, it helps with allergies. We know I've been using them in my practice for many years, and we know it also decreases respiratory infections. Uh, the second thing uh, is that masks are important. Don't forget it. Live it. Love it. Dr. Dan Rudd, our guest this morning, giving us an update on the coronavirus, what's going on, and how to sort of make it through this period. Dr. Rudd, thank you again. Good to be here, Bart, and you, everyone out there, stay healthy. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow on WGNS Murfreesboro, 